Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello there, welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast, right here on Arsblog.com. I hope you're well, it's been quite the eventful week on the field, off the field, on the blog and everything else. And to make this week complete, I've got quite the show for you today. And normally I say that and I'm lying through my teeth. Seriously, today I do actually have quite the show. Two guests and, uh, well, you know, that's the, that's the main part of it, two guests when normally there's only one. So it's twice as much guestness as there usually is. We can discuss all the football as well. It's been a good week in terms of football. Uh, Internet Joe will be along. We've also got Dan Nielsen. And uh, who knows, we'll be looking ahead to the Wigan game coming up tomorrow as well. So there you go. So uh, since the last time we spoke, things have gone well. On the field for Arsenal at the weekend, there was a game against West Ham. And it's potentially a tricky fixture when you're playing a team at the bottom of the table when they're fighting for their lives you know you're going to be in for a a difficult time most of the time we were helped of course by the whole avram grant fiasco i think you might call it uh the day of the game there are all these stories about how martin o'neill was going to take over and grant was a dead man walking and in fairness he does look actually like a dead man walking those corpsey eyes that cadaverousness that he has about him but that's neither here nor there Uh, the West Ham players seem to play like they thought the manager was going to be gone in the morning so it was like well you know it doesn't really matter we'll just stroll about the place Wayne Bridge on loan from Manchester City there's £90,000 a week well spent and to be fair West Ham made it fairly easy for us you wouldn't think they were a team fighting for their life. Nevertheless, we had to play well, and we did play well. Two goals from Robin Van Persie and a goal from Theo Walcott. 3-0 away from home and a good response to the week that had gone previously, which wasn't quite as good and, and happy and all that kind of stuff. And then we had to go to Elland Road for the FA Cup third round replay, and much to the dismay of Leeds fans, and in particular Peter Drury on ITV, we won that game quite comfortably too, even though Leeds got themselves back into it. Uh, the early goal from Samir Nasri, a brilliant goal uh, from Bakary Sanya, who really does deserve more goals than he gets, because he does so much for the team and works so hard. Uh, I think he could score 10 goals. He deserve every single one of them. I don't mean that he is going to score 10 goals or could possibly score 10 goals. I don't think that's realistic. My point is that if he did score 10 goals, nobody could say he didn't deserve them. Uh, Leeds got their goal back, and then uh, Bentner, the wing wizard, put a ball right onto Robin Van Persie's head, and he made it 3-1. And after that, it was it was just game over for Arsenal, and we're into the uh, fourth round of the FA Cup. But it was uh, dismaying for Adrian Childs on ITV, and for Peter Drury, the commentator, 
Uh, the pitch of his voice getting higher as he imagined himself delivering the lines that Arsenal had been knocked out of the cup by a team in the championship, a giant killing. And when he uh, was describing the score at half time, you would have thought Leeds were ahead. They'd been more or less battered for the whole of the first half. And they got a goal that I suppose you could liken to a hole in one if you were playing golf. Once in a lifetime kind of a hit. Top corner from 30 odd yards out. You don't do that every week. So it was a little bit irritating to have to listen to them, but I suppose in the end, it's quite satisfying to hear them upset by the fact that Arsenal won. And having to see them in the studio afterwards talk about an Arsenal win, but oh, weren't Leeds ever so brave? Weren't they this, that, no? Yeah, but at the end of the day, they lost. So fuck off. That was ITV. And then, of course, there was the whole Danielson thing, the interview, the sun, and all that kind of stuff. And what happened was this, right? A couple of days ago, Arsenal Brazil said to me, we've got an interview with Danielson. Remember the one we did with Edu? We've got one with Danielson. We'd like to give you the exclusive English language rights to it. And I said, that's splendid. You're very kind, and I appreciate that a great deal. And uh, we had a few emails back and forth, and uh, they sent me across the video um, file with the subtitles in English that they'd put on it. And they said, look, we're going to publish this story. It's going to go out at midnight GMT. All we'd ask is that you don't put it out before that because uh, we want to put it out as an exclusive on our site. And I said, look, we'll publish simultaneously. That'll be good. You do it in Portuguese in Brazil, and I'll do it in the English language, and it will spread to the four corners of the globe as it does in these uh, worldwide webby times of ours. So everything was good, and I uh, scheduled a post to, to go up, uh, went off to bed, got up the next morning, and then you find quotes from that interview on the back page of the Sun, well, not the back page, but certainly on the Sun website, it was the main story where they'd taken the quotes about leadership and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it was an exclusive by Charlie Wyatt. And there, within the article, were quotes from uh, the Danielson interview carried out by Arsenal Brazil. So naturally, I was a little irritated by this, as you would be. The assumption to make, the natural assumption to make, um, knowing that it was an exclusive in the English language to Ars blog was that someone from The Sun had watched the video, taken a few of the quotes, written it down, and uh, made a story out of it. So I wrote what I wrote on my blog and wrote what uh, I did on Twitter and all that kind of stuff. And perhaps with the benefit of hindsight, one might do a little more fact-checking before one unleashes the dogs of, of not war, but grumpiness in the morning, right? And... Uh, it was countered by Charlie Wyatt, who said he'd never followed me, and, you know, this was a terrible accusation to make, la di da di da di da And I spoke to Arsenal Brazil, and I said, look, this guy from the sun is saying this, and he, they said, well, no, this can't happen, blah, blah, blah. And then my phone rang in the office, and I said, hello, and it was like, hello, this is Charlie Wyatt. And I said, hello? Wondering where on earth he got my telephone number, but there you go. And he said, well, look, here's the situation. We've had this interview for a couple of days. And I said, no, you can't possibly have had it for a couple of days because I just got it from Arsenal Brazil. Blah, 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 blah. And what's happened was, as it turns out, Arsenal Brazil had given some of the content to it to somebody else who turned around and sold that content to the Sun. So while the Sun didn't directly steal from arseblog.com or from the Arsenal Brazil site, they did pay for essentially stolen goods, stolen merchandise, stolen information or content. And that's where the uh, 
It's where the confusion came in. So trust no one. I think that is the lesson to be learned from that. Trust nobody. And uh, there you go. And and the Chinese whispers thing, that it started from the sun and now it's come from a Brazilian television interview, it's bizarre. It's quite obvious if you do a tiny little bit of fact-checking where the quotes came from. And the quotes weren't really all that controversial in the first place. One minute out of a 23 or 24-minute interview in which he spoke pretty well, I thought. But there you go. It was good for business, though, I have to say. One of the busiest days ever, and I got about... 300 new Twitter followers. I think you get a pound for each Twitter follower every day. Once you get over 20,000 Twitter followers, you get a pound per Twitter follower a day. So I got to keep that up and uh, yeah, it should be all right. I can retire by the end of the year. That's how it works, isn't it? I'm right there, yeah? Okay. I don't think so. So that's pretty much all that went on. So it was. Which is enough for one week between the last Arscast and this Arscast. Next week might not be half as eventful. Um, Anyway, to give you his view on what happened in the last seven days, here's Internet Joe. I'm Internet Joe, and here's me 30-second roundup. West Ham away, Van Persie, yes, to you, yes, Van Persie, yes again. Take that wing bridge over triple water, you cunt. Leads away, Nasri, Sanya, Magic, oh, what the fuck, you'll never hit another one like that. Van Persie, get in there, you cloth-eating wankers. The Nielsen interview stolen by the sun, find that journalist, kill him, burn him. Piss on him! Bring him back to life! Kill him again! What? He didn't really do it! Fucking! He walks for the sun! And therefore it's a total cunt! But you knew that already! So you did! We'll have more from Internet Joe on next week's Arscast. Now, time for my first guest. My first guest. All sounds very posh and chat showish. Wogan-esque, I hear you say. Yes, I hear you. Uh, I'm delighted to welcome back to the show the Goonerholic. Hello there. Hello there, blogs. Thanks for inviting me again. You're very welcome. Nice to have you. Now, let's talk about uh, this week or, you know, the last few days. Uh, and they've gone quite well. Two very good away wins, six goals scored, one goal conceded. And I think now that time has passed, we can refer to the week that came before these games as a big load of shit because <laughs> the, the Ipswich game and the Leeds game and, and people were unhappy and rightly enough, they were unhappy. Um we have, I mean, it's too soon to say we, we've turned it around, but it's a good response uh, from the team and from some of the players that, that maybe people didn't want to see involved. Yeah, absolutely. And you think that, um, you're, well, we're hoping that Wednesday night was also a sign of something else because the weak horribilis or whatever you want to call it that went before, I think there's a, there's a widely held view that uh, we were replacing too many players in this rotation policy by changing nine or or ten at a time. And uh, on Wednesday night, uh, in a game that we thought we had to put a little bit more effort into than perhaps we did at at home when we played Leeds, um, there was a nice balance, I thought. I must admit, before the, the, the whistle blew, I was a little bit concerned that we had 
changed six players. I'd said beforehand, I thought it perhaps maybe four because there are certain players that you felt were were key to playing the high tempo game that has got us our better results of late. Mm. But actually, of course, what the hell do we know about it? The man got it absolutely right. And I thought actually it was it was the fact that he had a spine to the side. And so by keeping half of the team that is playing well and that is confident and grafting on just a handful of those that you know, when there's nine of them that are out of out of form and out of touch and it it, it was kind of hard for them, I think. And the Leeds home game and the Ipswich away game I think they were there to be shot at afterwards because, you know, it, it, it was a bit unfair for them to be put in together. But they are, so many of them are not playing well. But Wednesday night, I think the blend was just right. And you could see one or two of those that were having a rough time. Arshavin may not have played particularly well on Wednesday, but the effort he put in and the work rate, and that's what's been missing. And people will appreciate Everybody goes through a rough patch form-wise, but if you put the effort in, then you'll get the support. And I thought that was kind of indicative of the way that side gelled. And I hope going forward, I'm sure we'll be talking about it in a minute, going forward, I hope we do something similar next midweek. Mm, yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, given the, the way the fixtures are with the FA Cup and the Carling Cup, we've got four games, and uh, thankfully those four games are at home within the space of nine or ten days, so he is going to have to rotate the squad a bit to keep players fresh, to prevent fatigue and injuries and all these things that you have to take into account. Well, and I it, hear all that, Blogs, and I, sorry for butting in. No, I, no. I, I kind of, as one who lived through 1971 when we won a double playing 60 matches with 14 players, basically. I think there were another two that played one or two games each. But I I don't buy that entirely. I accept the game is faster. I I accept that the pitches are so good now that players will get... Uh, it is harder, the the combination of the pitch quality and the speed of the game, to keep players going. But they've been rested during the first half of the season. You know, I, sure. these, players have, these players haven't played 30 games already, and we're asking them to play another 30. I, I so get they're you. They're not fresh now, particularly the key players. When you think Van Persie was out for half the season, when you think seska has been missing quite a bit... Hmm. And you think of the number of games that players have otherwise been rested for, Arshavin, a particular case in point. You know, if they're not fit and ready to play four games in nine days now or whatever it is, then there's something, I'm afraid, that's wrong. This is well. This is what we've been saving them for. Can I, be the, the, can I be the devil's advocate here then and say that it's no longer a case, and I t- totally take your point about 71 and the amount of players, but that was sort of the norm back then. And, and I, I suspect, and I could be wrong here, but I suspect that players back then played through injuries that keep players uh, th- these days out. And yeah. I also suspect that the club, uh, because they didn't have the big squads, were forced perhaps to play players when they shouldn't have played them, were forced to... Well, not forced to. They gave them injections, and we're talking cortisone. You've guys who have come out of that era who are essentially crippled, you know. So I think there's there's a little bit of balance, and I just mean in the sense of the modern game, right? Because we've got these four games in nine days, and we do. I think you you would have to accept have a number of fairly brittle players. So it it, it does make a bit of sense to uh, protect them as much as we can hopefully because we've got lots and lots of games between now and may but my main my main point was uh, and it's an interesting sideline this <laughs> 
the main the main issue was that because we have a squad and we need to uh, be able to rely on players when when other guys get injured. The the more that these guys play, the more comfortable they're going to feel. The more uh, the more they're going to find something approaching reasonable form because yeah, it is well, like you say it's difficult to be out for a while and come in and and play at your best level. You need a run of games for your fitness and your confidence and your touch and sharpness and all that kind of stuff. So it, it, that that's what was encouraging to me because um, changes were made again from the team that played very well at West Ham. He made changes and it didn't necessarily affect the the performance of the team or or how we dominated the game. That was that was my point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't, not obviously. I'd say that obviously, the way things were in '71 will never be repeated because we have the, the the squad that we have and because the situation, the conditions are a bit different. But I do get kind of peeved with people regularly coming on and saying, you know, we have to rotate for this, that, and the other. When, well, actually, no. I, I kind of think now that we're in a situation where you could have two or three players maybe missing out a game at a time if we've got these four games in nine days and I think after that we've got four games in ten or something like that. So it is a busy period and I accept that. But let's not... Having said, having praised him for making six changes only on Wednesday (laughs) night, let's bring it... Let's You know, you can bring leave out two, three, four players uh, at a time so that the best players play three of the next four games. Mm. And between those four games, you've got the bulk of your best players in all the time, if you get me. You're only losing yeah. one or two of those that keep the pace. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Oh, no, I, I would agree with that. That I think, it's, I think there are players that are crucial to the way that we play and others that when they come in, you know, these players can help the players that come in, if you like, mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to play in the way that we want them to play. Whereas if you take loads of them out, then it doesn't necessarily happen. So I do... I take what you're saying and I think you know there are players that can change games and, and win games for us and we know who they are so there's not a great deal of point in in, uh, in talking no, about <laughs> yes <that's>... <laughs> anyway we, we, we'll move on from that and and let's talk about um, the Carling Cup now I know we've got a, a league game against Wigan and I'm going to talk about that a bit later on uh, by myself so I, I won't trouble you with that one but the the Carling Cup semi-final second leg against Ipswich were a goal down um, they've already said that they're going to come and park the bus and make life difficult for Arsenal um, given given that we also need the league point, is that's one of the games where you're going to have to play these good the best players aren't you it might be the Carling Cup it might be Ipswich it might be uh, at home but you've got to play the players that can that can open the game up for us absolutely you're 90 minutes away from a game at Wembley so it doesn't matter whether it's Ipswich Town, Hartlepool United or Swindon Supermarine that we're playing next Wednesday. <laughs> You've got to put out the side that's got the best chance of doing the job uh, because the rewards are, are potentially are so massive. Um, and so, I, you know, Swindon, we're all remembering the League Cup semi-final, I think, with Wigan, ironically, when you mentioned the league game. Mm. When it looked like we were cruising, the silly sods in the North Bank started ole ole in when we had the ball two up with the you know minute to go, and then we go out to the away goal in injury time. You can you can imagine something like that happening with a team like <laughs> Ipswich if the attitude isn't right. 
and that's why I think you need the side out there that's going to do the job. I think they have to play, again, this this high-tempo, quick passing. It's movement that's going to destroy a championship side like Ipswich. It's quality that's going to destroy a championship side like Ipswich. And regardless, even if they, I accept that they're going to come and park the bus in their own words, but frankly, there's a difference between Ipswich coming and parking the bus. And I'm sorry if this sounds arrogant to anybody who's listening from Ipswich, but none Unless it's true. There's a difference between them coming and parking the bus and teams like Manchester United coming and Manchester City coming and parking the bus Um, because there are quite clearly going to be some, or we would hope that there are going to be some defensive errors in there because Mm. that's why they're where they are. Are you confident that we can turn this around then and reach Wembley? Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you don't sound terribly confident. No, how do I phrase this? With a, if we're not confident of beating Ipswich, there's something horribly wrong. But I sure. don't want to... You know, there's this business of overconfidence that sides fall into sometimes. Um, and I accept supporters. It doesn't matter whether you do or not. We should win comfortably, yes, if you're asking me. And I don't want to... Pull- Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'll try to get a message over to anybody else that might be listening that Mm. says, well, this is just going to be a walk in the park. It's not. They're a side that's got to be beaten by our best, and hopefully that's what will happen. All right. Uh, Gunnar Hollick, a pleasure as always. We better leave it there. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Thanks, Blogs. Thank you very much indeed to Gunnar Hollick. You know where to find him. If you don't, it's GunnarHollick.com for his fantastic blog, and uh, you'd be wise to take some of his betting tips. He's come up trumps a couple of times recently. I suspect he's got links with Far Eastern betting syndicates, but I can't prove anything. Or you can find him on Twitter as well, twitter.com forward slash the Gunnarholic. So uh, do check him out if you don't already partake of the uh, wit and wisdom of Gunnarholic. Now, before we introduce our next guest, here's Dan Nielsen. Oh, hello, everybody. It's me again, Dan. Dan Nielsen, the Arsenal midfielder. Well, I have to tell you, I've had a particularly trying week. I've suffered at the hands of the English tabloid press. Yes, I know we all know they're unscrupulous and they make things up, but really they've gone too far this time. They took an interview I did and totally twisted my words. I was completely misconstrued. And frankly, I'm at the end of my tether with a whole lot of them. 
I don't know. I mean, why can't they just get things right? I did not say I like to go out at night, find vulnerable young men, take them back to my flat, drug them, wait till they're unconscious, have anal sex with them, kill them, then eat them. I said I'd have sex with any bit of them I could. I'm disgusted. (laughs) Now, this week we've got twice as many guests as we normally do, two for the price of one, in fact, and considering what you paid for the first one, you have to say that's value for money. Now, many of you will know him from all the other stuff that he does, but he's here with his Arsenal hat on. I'm delighted to welcome to the Arsecast, Alan Davies. Hello there. Hello. Uh, A lot of people will know you, of course, from your TV and acting and comedy and all that kind of thing. But, of course, the people that are listening to this won't particularly care about that. They'll care about the Arsenal podcast that's been missing for the last few weeks. Um, They want to know where you've been. Were you tapped up by Barcelona or did the the sun steal you without you knowing it or what happened? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, we had a hiatus. We relaunched. We rebranded. Yeah. That's what you call it now, isn't it? <laughs> uh, we're, we're taking control of our own destinies, so it's sure, sure to be a disaster. It's already a slight disaster, because I was convinced that Ian Stone was entertaining the troops this week, so he, didn't, he wasn't on the podcast. Turns out he was in Finchley. So I've already cocked up once. So the but com- it just means that we can do it any day of the week that we want and any time that we want, and we were a bit restricted with when we had to do it on a certain day and time before and uh, go into an office to do it and... Uh, and then we just do it in my house whenever we feel like it. So hopefully it'll hopefully it'll be working out for the best. Uh, and it's called it's called the Tuesday Club. And of course, the Tuesday Club was uh, was quite famous for the Arsenal players. Uh, their day off when they didn't have a midweek game, they used to go out and well get get wrecked. So is that is that are you going to keep up that tradition with the podcast? <laughs> well, that's kind of what was happening because we go out, <laughs> go down on a Monday because I've got a young uh, daughter now as one and. Uh, and I'd find that I wouldn't, wasn't really getting out at all, apart from home games, uh, except going to the podcast. So I'd, I'd come home, we'd record it at six, I'd get home about nine, absolutely steaming, going, I haven't had any dinner, and I'm all over the shop. <laughs> it was a little bit like that. I didn't, I've never wet myself in the pizza hut, but it, was, it could have happened had I gone to the pizza hut. So, so I did start to associate it with uh, drinking too much in the Monday evening, and... <laughs> And also, I just love that whole idea. It's, it's just, there's a club I wish I'd been a member of. Was when Neil, Niall Quinn, Steve Bold, Tony Adams, and Ray Parler were all falling over each other in terrible little wine bars. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it probably would have been fun to be a fly on the wall there, all right. It would have been, yeah, until it all started to go wrong, obviously, especially for TA. <laughs> it's hard to imagine any of the uh, the current squad involved in that kind of in that kind of thing, really. It always makes me laugh when at the end of the game when they get the man of the match champagne, you know, there must be all these bottles of champagne. I don't know where, maybe Vic Akers gets them or someone gets them, <laughs> find a home for them, because I, I don't think any of them drink them. I mean, there's a guy I know who's a, a producer, he produced our BBC show, the Armchair World Cup, Simon Cross, and he was a journalist for a while and worked in radio. And he remembered being at Arsenal Sampdoria when Arsenal won on penalties to get to the cut winners' cup final. And they were all in the dressing room celebrating, and Paul Merson was standing outside the dressing room because he couldn't go in there because there was booze everywhere. See, this terrible moment where one minute you're the life and soul of the party, and the next minute yeah. there's a crashing realization, and you literally have to stand outside. It'd be interesting. Yeah, I don't know what they could do for the guys. I give them a Jeroboam of Lucas Eight Sport or something rather than <laughs> champagne. That's exactly what they need. I imagine them having little cartons of Ribena like you give to children <laughs> if you go to the zoo. 
Um, a sense of humour. I mean, uh, there's some famous um, Arsenal fans who are are, are uh, very funny people, like Daryl Breen and Matt Lucas yourself. Do you think a sense of humour is important at the moment um, in being an Arsenal fan and and having sort of um, uh, wandered into the world of the internet? Do do you find it's kind of maybe lacking a bit in certain areas that everyone takes things really, really a bit too seriously? I suppose so, yeah. I mean, there's a hell of a lot of forums and message boards and any amount of places where people do vent and they, uh, people do seem livid, generally, <laughs> on the whole. And uh, I don't know, maybe it's because they're all quite young, I think. Sometimes I think, oh, just maybe I was livid all the time when I was a young fan. But when I was a teenager and early 20s, you know, Arsenal were pretty rubbish. And it wasn't until, when I was 23 when they won the league in 89, the first time I saw him win anything, I was 21. That was the league, league cup, you know, in mm. terms of actually being there. Mm. So for most of my teams, we had one cup win against Man U and, and had to watch Tottenham win things quite often. So I think if you've grown up thinking you're going to win the league every season, maybe you would be livid. I don't know. Mm. What, what do you make of the, the team at the moment? Um, I mean, the Carling Cup is within reach despite the... Uh, the result against Ipswich in, in the first leg, you'd be fairly disappointed if they didn't turn that around. Uh, do you think they just need one trophy to get them going to kind of kickstart this belief that they can go on and win more? I, th- I certainly think it wouldn't do any harm, yeah. I mean, I do feel like in recent years, we start, we, we've been dropping cup ties and and it's not seemed to hurt them enough you know we got turned over badly didn't we at Old Trafford about 4-0 mm. and, that, and, it, and it did seem to feed into our league form a little bit as well and uh, I remember losing at Burnley in the league cup thinking this is feeble Paul Rogers played at centre half and I thought this ain't good enough come on we've got stacks of players some of them are only playing 25 times a season let's get them out there and use them but I do think, yeah, I do think that at the moment, when they're good, they're very, very good, and when they're bad, they're hideous. And I went to the mm. Switch game, and it was, they were atrocious. I mean, they could, it's really they had the ball a lot, but not a misplaced pass. It's terrible in the final third, and then they go to West Ham, and, and it's absolute cakewalk, make it look easy. And the same at Leeds, which is, you know, could have gone wrong at mm. Leeds. I was never in doubt. Any uh, theories on why that might be? Still, the, the sort of the youth, relatively youth of the team, the inconsistency, or well, I do think that there are standout players at the moment, and, I, and I'm, although um, Tesk played at Ipswich, um, there were one or two whose form was off that night. Um, Arshavin's having a poor period of form, and and so is Bent there, and he's looking around, he's thinking, oh, we need Van Persie and Nasri. These these are our top boys at the moment, and if all three of them are playing, they're very hard to stop. Mm. And uh, we we desperately need the Milan to come back or someone with a similar physical presence, perhaps at the back. But I've been quite pleased with old Juru lately. He seems to have come along come along well now. He seems to be well over those that long period out with injury. And um, Kishelny's quite spirited. I just wish he was a stone heavier. You know, I wish there was a bit more beef about him. Yeah, I mean, there was a time, wasn't there, when the players would arrive and then, I think in the early days of Arsene Wenger, he, he used to give them creatine pies and stuff because they'd turn up a month later and they're they're just like, I don't know, bodybuilders in a way. Yeah, all flexible. And uh, it's because they do stretching. Yeah, right. Alex Ferguson at that time apparently said, off the record, they're at it. 
Arsenal are at it. He's <laughs> convinced that all the back four must have been on dope to get to suddenly have this extended career that they put down the uh, Arsenal stretching regime. But of course, everyone does the same stretching now, so we don't have that advantage anymore. Mm. I do think, looking at the current side, if they went up against the 2002 or 2004 sides, they'd get beat. You know, mm. Just because they were technically as good, they had the superstar centre forwards and Henri. And also they had the physical power. I mean, if you if you lost Vieira uh, or Gilberto, you brought Edu or Parler in, and there was a lot more physical power than there is now. Mm. I mean, they're two very different teams, but I suppose we were really, really lucky back then because, you know, uh, to have the, the, the guys that we had, uh, really good players, like you mentioned, uh, Edu and Parla, but surround them with Perez, Bergkamp, Henri, Vieira, and four of the best players in the world, you know, at the same time in one Arsenal team is kind yeah, of once-in-a-lifetime stuff, isn't it? It's arguably the four best players we've ever had play for the club, really. Mm. In Vieira, Perez, Bergkamp and Henri... I'd always make a case for, for Liam Brady. And, but uh, these guys, those guys were awesome. They were fantastic. You know. But even then, people were moaning. You know, <laughs> Even then, people were livid. We were turning up every week and watching them play and they were still angry. Mm. The other day, we, we were playing Leeds and we were still, Leeds had got stuck in. This is at the Emirates. And we were putting some tackles in and closing us down and it wasn't quite working out. Some of the blokes behind us, their veins were popping out in their foreheads, screaming at Van Gogh and his mate, the substitute, you don't know what you're doing, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> and of course, his substitutions changed the game, and we pulled a draw out of the uh, nothing and went through in the replay. He doesn't know what he's doing. You think he doesn't know what he's doing, you don't know what you're talking about. I remember the the invincible season. I remember a lot of people because I think we drew quite a number of games, and there was maybe a, a few uh, draws. Like one, of, was it Leicester? Well, might have drawn away to Leicester, just one one or something. I remember people complaining at the time that we were drawing too many games, you know. And maybe yeah. the time the time to really judge is the end of the season. I remember that Leicester game. I went to that. I think they scored the ninety third minute. It was one of those that we had at uh, Stadium of Light this season. Mm. Sometimes, the trouble with the way he wants to play is when it doesn't work, you get frustrated because it's uh, it's quite an artistic endeavour, the way Arsenal play football. And, and what when it, when, it, when the passes are going astray and the chances aren't being created, there doesn't seem to be the physical effort involved. But it, it isn't a game of physical effort. It's like Barcelona, who I've read today in the paper, have got this, this the smallest average height of, in, in European football of all clubs. <laughs> uh, well, we're doing our best to match them. Well, that thing that seems to be Arsenal's policy. So I'm going to get, I'm going to go lower. We go lower than Guardiola. I'm going five eight average. Time bandits. <laughs> yes, it's going to be like <laughs> that guy, Rappaport. That was his name, wasn't it? We're going to have him. Yeah. <laughs> Are you looking forward to the games against Barcelona? I mean, the idea of a Boué against Villa and, and Messi—they must be quaking in their boots. I'm dreading it because I, I hate seeing this lose. I'm dreading mm. the games against Barcelona. The, the good thing about Barcelona, you know, and apart from the fact it's going to be great to see them again, and, uh, and Messi didn't really turn up at the Emirates, so I'm hoping he does plays better. But the, the good thing about getting them now is if if they do knock us out, then we can get on with the other stuff. You know, mm. the annoying thing about those quarterfinals and semi-finals, the games seem to really take the the wind out of the team. There's such a physical and a, and mental and emotional effort. And you have this epic tie. I remember the one at Anfield against Liverpool when we were seconds away from going through and then got knocked out on a dodgy penalty. 
and then you've got to turn up on a Saturday and play, God knows, you know, Blackburn Rovers or mm. something. It's no wonder they can't get up for it. <laughs> so much better to have Barca now than uh, if you're going to go. If you're going to play the Champions League, you've got to go to the final or go out now. I don't want any more. Go, I don't want any more. No more semis or quarter. No. But I mean, no, we'll see. Eh? We don't know. We don't know if we if Nasri and Sesk and Van Persie really play. Um, maybe we could get a win in the first leg and. And not concede four in the second. And not get yeah. We had a, the thing was that the sad thing about the last time, so many people got injured during the game. You picked Gallas, if you remember, and Arshavin, who were both not fit and both had mm. a setback in that match. That was a risk. Seth broke his leg. I think Song got injured in it as well. I think to remember. I think Vermeulen played out there, but that was about it in mm. terms of our top boys. And we had a really makeshift, patched-up side out there. What, what I would love is to go out there with the first eleven, and and go out there defending a, a lead, and you know, never know your luck. But if they come and win at the Emirates, then mm. done. <laughs> Well, well, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Listen, we better leave it there. The podcast is available now on iTunes. Yeah, the Tuesday Club. We are on iTunes. It's now called the Tuesday Club. It's the same mob. It's it's, it's Keith and uh, his weirdness and <laughs> Ian and Ty. If if I remember, to so get Ian in on time. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> another, so, yeah. another mate. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. Do uh, do feel please to subscribe. Thanks for the plug. All right, no worries, Alan Davies. Thank you very much. Cheers. You can find the Tuesday Club on iTunes, as Alan said, or you can follow them on Twitter. It's twitter.com forward slash yellow boots on. That's twitter.com forward slash yellow boots on. Now, two very important games coming up tomorrow in the league against Wigan. Oh, we've got to keep that up. The cup football has been not so much a distraction, but uh, we've had our eye off the league a little bit. Uh, small doubts over Marouan, Shamak and Danielson. Uh, ahead of that game, uh, the rest of them are still out. Abu Diaby, Skilacci's out. Fabianski's shoulder is still causing him problems, but uh, Chesney is going to continue in goal. And uh, the boy looks unflappable. And I have to say, he's one of the only people I've ever seen look imposing in luminous pink. There aren't too many examples I can think of to match that. He does look quite the presence in goal, and uh, so far so good for him. So hopefully uh, that will continue. Wigan, well, we know that they're a decent team, and uh, we know that if we don't turn up, we can get punished. Even with 10 men, they managed to take two points off us at their place just a few weeks ago. So we've got to be, uh, we've got to be on our game. Uh, we've got to hope that even though we've reacted to the games against uh, Leeds and Ipswich uh, and come out the other side of that, that we do have this tendency after a couple of performances to sort of slip back into old habits. So we need to make sure that we keep up the uh, the momentum and the effort and the uh, the spirit that we've shown in those last couple of games uh, to make sure we get three points because they are absolutely vital uh, to keep us in the race for the league title. Then, of course, it's the second leg of the Carlin Cup semi-final. Uh, Ipswich lead from the first leg, of course, they take a 1-0 lead. They said they're going to come and park the bus, as we uh, spoke about with Hollick earlier on. Uh, the quality is there in this team to win that game, to turn that around. We've got the players. We're at home. We've got a Wembley final in our grasp. All the motivation is there for this team, a team that has gone a long time without a trophy and needs to do something about that. So we, I think we've got the quality to win that game, despite uh, the way Ipswich might uh, approach the game. Uh, I think, given that we've got an FA Cup game against uh, Huddersfield at home uh, on Sunday, there's quite the gap then between Sunday uh, and Tuesday. So we've got to play 
our best team in that game against Ipswich. And if we've got the luxury of taking a couple of players off after an hour because we've done the job already, then all well and good. But if we need our best players to play 90 minutes, then we, uh, we've got to be prepared for that too. We've got to send a team out that's motivated, wants to win, knows what's at stake, and puts in a far, far better performance uh, than the one in the first leg. So that's really about that. Let's hope that we're sitting here this time next week talking about a Wembley final on the horizon. How awesome would that be? That's what football's about. It's about winning things, uh, play all the nice football you like, but at the end of the day, you've got to have some trophies in your cabinet, and let's hope that the team can do the business tomorrow and on Tuesday. So uh, let's hope for fun times on next Friday's Arscast. Uh, thank you to my guests. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you on next week's show. Until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. You there. Yeah, come over here. No, it's not a trick. I've got something for you. What is it? It's a manuscript. Don't worry about where I got it. None of your business. And what? I'm offering to sell it to you. This whole book here. Think about it. Manuscript, all written, typeset, bound. Right? I sell it to you. You bring it to a publisher's. You put your name on it. You get the fame, the money, the women. And you don't have to do any of the work. Not bad, eh? Don't worry about what happens if someone says, where did you get it? You just say, ah, ah, ah. I'm protecting me sources. Have you got a deal then? We do. Nice one, nice one. Right then, see you next time. Always a pleasure doing business with you, Charlie. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.